This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 557, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, February 28th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans, episode 557. This is our Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, February 28th. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Welcome to the show. Uh, today we're talking about books, as I said, from February 28th, so let's just uh, jump right in. Uh, a lot of books came out that I will not be talking about. Um, some of those include Action Comics, Old New Wolverine, Avengers. I'm falling behind. I really got to get back on this uh, train. Black Panther, Along with the King, Black Panther, Blue Beetle, Captain Marvel, Champions, Darth Vader, Doctor Strange, Mira, Queen of Atlantis, Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur, Moon Knight, which I'm actually really enjoying as well, Spider-Gwen, Suicide Squad, Teen Titans, Thanos, The Terrific, Wonder Woman, and X-Men Blue. I don't even think I've started the Poison X or whatever the storyline is. Uh, so let's talk about what I did get a chance to read then. Uh, first up, we have Despicable Deadpool. This is issue 295. Um, this book has been very good. Um, this whole current Despicable run has been really uh, surprisingly emotional and really doing a lot for the character. Uh, now we know that um, Jordan White is going to be leaving as editor after issue 300, as is uh, Dugan. Uh, so it's kind of really sad that uh, we're going to be seeing the a changing of the guard. Um, but it was going to happen eventually, and Dugan's been writing it a long time, and uh, Jordan's been editing for a long time, so it makes sense that you know people would move on. Uh, but it's kind of sad if you love the work they've been putting together. Um, this is Bucket List Part 4, The Uncanny X-Man. Uh, Jerry Dugan and uh, or Jerry Duggan I guess and Scott Kobush as the artist um, this was extremely well done it starts off with, uh, with Evan running away Evan or Genesis running away from uh, Deadpool because uh, he's on the list of people he has to kill um, and that's very cool and then we see Deadpool kind of having to deal with what's going to be the next name he didn't actually kill Evan but he's doing what he can to try and um, you know kind of get around what he has to do for um, for Strife Oh, the other X-Men did not uh, know, and so they uh, decided to fight him pretty brutally on their own um, until uh, he's able to kind of get away from them and go on to his next name, and he finds just kind of a nobody, and uh, it's it's been read, it's been said online that and that the scene definitely evokes uh, Beaver Vendetta uh, because you have Wade showing up with this woman and telling her that he owes her an apology, and uh, you know he he has to kill her and in order to save his daughter. Um, and it's, it's about a girl and, um, it's, it's actually really, it's really emotional. And even the woman trying to, you know, do bargaining as she's about to die, she's kind of being like, well, maybe it isn't the worst way to end if, uh, she's going to die so the young girl can live. And, uh, the part that really is reminiscent of the Vendetta is when she asks Deadpool, will it hurt? And he just says, no, I already did it. Um, extremely emotional and not what you usually expect and I almost think that they play the issue wrong because it ends in such a and maybe this is the point maybe this is why they didn't do it this way but there's this beautiful page where it's just Deadpool having killed this woman who's had tears running down her cheek and him obviously sad about it and dealing with the weight of this and he kind of walks out and he gets hit in the face by, um, by Captain America's shield and that's you know it sets up them having this big knockdown throwdown fight, which is definitely you know going to be interesting. I just found that the last page, it felt like a different tenor, like it didn't quite feel right. Although it did feel right that you know Deadpool just takes it. He knows he's there. Um, he knows that you know Captain America is about to confront him, and he doesn't care. Um, so yeah, I, this is 
again, this is so well done. Like, I, they just have knocked this out of the park. It's so well done, so emotional. They're, the beat, the emotional beats are so well earned. I'm going to give this issue a nine. Like, it was so good, and it has been. And I'm really sad that, the, that this creative team and the editorial team is leaving because it's been so good. Uh, next up is How Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, issue 39. Uh, this is... Uh, Pretty entertaining, all told. Um, it's Zod's Will Part 3, What Would Hal Jordan Do? by Robert Venditti and Rafa Sandoval. Uh, really liked the art. Liked how um, Venditti played with well, a lot of classic tropes. The Green Lanterns, you know, um, you know rejecting what the, the Guardians are doing and wanting to do their own thing or just disagreeing with what's going on. Um, I like that um, you have Kyle you know because he's infused with the energy from how he's starting to act like how and do things like how and talk like how which is really kind of funny to see um i thought this just was really an entertaining uh kind of exciting uh adventure and i'm excited to see where it comes from it next but um and having it be zod that they're fighting again i don't know why it just it just works and i like that zod has like you know a real reason to hate green lanterns which is something that has never really been expressed with um with superman uh that you know because of the Green Lantern's failure, that's why Krypton died. It shouldn't have died if they were doing their job. So an interesting uh, angle for um, Zod to take as a villain uh, where he's not necessarily all wrong. Uh, next up is The Invincible Iron Man 597, or as I like to call it, The Schizophrenic Book. Uh, it's The Search for Tony, Tony Stark, Part 5, written by Brian Michael Bendis as we lead up to Issue 600 with our work by Stefano Caselli and Alex Maleev. Um, I guess my problem here, here, as I said before, is that we're getting multiple different books all at once, and it doesn't all work together. You have the stuff with Riri, which is actually pretty good, and I'm enjoying Riri's um, parts. Then you got the parts with the Hood, um, so not with the Hood, with uh, Doctor Doom, or as the infamous Iron Man, and he's fighting against the Doom. Sorry, he fights against the Hood and others. I just find that whole aspect of the story underwhelming. I don't think it really feels like any version of Doom at this point and I just feel like Doom would never be taken out this way and it just feels too easy and it just feels very haphazard uh, at least the stuff with Riri is more interesting uh, the idea that you know a bunch of people are looking for Tony including Arno Stark the brother so I like that Madison Jeffries and uh, Tony Ho were there so that part I thought was really cool her being part of this kind of larger conglomerate of people trying to find Tony um, and that was cool and I, I and then we didn't really get any of the Mary Jane story, which is only really expressed in the way of a, of a recap page. But um, I'm just not really feeling this. I don't think the art's that as strong. I mean, I like the art, but I just, I don't know if it, especially the Oxmo Love stuff, it just feels too static. Um, it doesn't really get, I guess, the point across. The storyline feels like it's moving slowly. And I just feel like, are we getting this, like, a lot with the hood again? Like, I just, I'm not buying into the, the threat level. I'm not really sure how it's all going to be kind of coalesce and come together. If it even is going to come together, uh, we're, not, we're seeing even less of where Tony actually is. So I'm going to give this a five. And uh, I just, it was just, I wasn't really entertained at all. Uh, I was just kind of bored and ready for the issue to be over. Uh, next up, we have Spectacular Spider-Man 300. Uh, this is by Chip Zdarsky and Adam Kubert and Juan Frigari. Um This is really entertaining. It was a nice way of bringing the storyline to a close. Um, I like how Chip wrote Spider-Man here. I like how, you know, he tries to kind of save the day, and I like how the, the Tinkerer and uh, his brother were, you know, they, how that was resolved and how that character has been addressed. I thought was really interesting. I liked how the storyline uh, quickly dovetails into the next, which I thought was really cool. Um, I, I 
I was just really entertained, and I, th- I think that's what it comes down to, is that I found this just a really entertaining issue, and definitely kind of moves nicely into the next uh, next storyline, uh, which is, uh, you know, some time travel. I also love the, uh, the at the end of the issue, we have, well, the, first of all, there's a, a backup story uh, with uh, Black Cat, which I liked. And we also had uh, all the covers from Spectacular Spider-Man uh, that they used to create this numbering, and I thought that was really cool too to kind of see them all like all up there like that and realize how many of them I owned and how many of them were during the Clone Saga. And uh, it's interesting too because I forget that Spectacular ended, and uh, after the um, uh, final chapter, and then in, there was no Spectacular because you just had Ejectables, and so it was years. I think it was like. Maybe it was only six or seven years, but it was a while before Spectacular actually came back uh, as the Paul Jenkins project, and then uh, eventually ended after uh, a poorly put together storyline with um, uh, Gwen Stacy's daughter, which is after the Sins Past storyline. So it's interesting. I like looking at this type of stuff though because it really allows you to, especially in the old days when the covers were more expressive of what was going on inside, is that it really allows you kind of to to uh, see all this different, you know, Spider-Man history all on the page. I thought, I love cover galleries, and I'm really glad they did them with this particular issue. I thought it was a, a good touch. This was a fun issue. I like the backup, like the main story. I feel like you got a lot of bang for your buck. I'm going to give it a solid eight. Uh, it was very enjoyable. Uh, next up, we have The Flash, number 41. Uh, this is, uh, let's see, written by Josh Williamson. Uh, the artwork in this particular issue is by Carlos Danda. Um, it wasn't bad. It, it was okay. It, it wasn't my favorite issue so far, but... Uh, I think part of it was the art. I don't know if I quite liked the art enough. Um, and I think at times Barry's interactions, especially with Wally, seemed a little extra forced. That being said, I love the, um, the conversations. I forget her name, but uh, the flash of uh, just in China uh, with uh, Wally. I thought their interactions felt very authentic. Um, I did also love the, um, the flashbacks with Wally talking about what he'd done. Uh, what he was doing and how he missed the city and what he's kind of trying to figure out what to do uh, and how he's the, you know he's the flash that they have to deal with now. Um, interested to see what Barry and Godspeed end up doing in the next issue. Um, I feel like it's building nicely. Um, there's definitely a good level. There's a good threat level in terms of the menace. So it's it's been it's been good overall. I'm going to give it an eight. I think the art could be a little stronger, but I thought the script was extremely on point. And last but definitely not least. We have Gwen, the unbelievable Gwenpool in issue number 25, uh, which is my book of the week. And if I was ever going to give anything a 10, I'm going to give this a 10. I absolutely love this. When I read this, I was just like, I want to read this again and again and again. I want to read this entire series over and over again. If this ever comes out in a giant omnibus, I will be first in line to buy that. And this was such an amazing book, and this issue... For people who don't give Gwenpool a chance, who don't like the slightly cartoonish artwork, they're missing out on such a deep story. And um, this issue in particular was just, it had so many emotional beats. Gwen uh, talking to herself was really engaging and interesting as the pages tick down, as she gets um, you know, a watch that kind of counts down her pages and the page count in the issue. Uh, that she has left was really interesting as well. Uh, there's this little girl who's dressing up as Gwenpool when she's younger, and then later on, Gwenpool and Finn Fangfoom stop some bullies from bothering her and uh, kind of seeing what that, that meant to this girl. And we see in the future when she's old, uh, but Gwen hasn't aged, and uh, it's just this beautiful moment. Um, and everything kind of... It's it's a nice little um, a loop that the issue ends where last issue kind of ended as well. So this was just so good. And I had one of my kind of favorite 
there's a whole idea of the last issue I thought it was brilliant and beautiful when you had um, Gwenpool saying goodbye to Baytrock and being like you're not going to be like this for you know when when we see you again when it's going to be a different writer who doesn't write you this way and you're not going to be this version of you and he doesn't get it and it's, it's heartbreaking it's actually quite sad and then in this issue um, what I like is all about the uh, the outsider's perspective and I love that Gwen says something the future Gwen says uh, it's not just happening in February 2018 when Gwenpool 25 comes out it's happening in June 2019 in the trade and it's happening in September of 2025 when someone finds this in a library and later and later and later right now someone is reading this moment years after all of the people who made this comic died and she just goes holy crap you don't just live here. You're in video games, toys, you guest star in other titles, fan art, fanfic, roleplay, Twitter accounts. Someday one of those fans might get a pro gig and remember to stick you in some version of the Great Lakes Avengers. And uh, it was just, I love that comment. It was, it was so perfectly written for this character and for this adventure that she's been on. Uh, so this was absolutely fantastic. I don't think I've ever given a 10 out of 10, but I don't see any real flaws in this. This was absolutely perfect. It was a great comic. It was enjoyable. It made me want to read it again right away. And really, is not the mark of a good comic book that you read it and Im- immediately you just want to read it again. And th- I can honestly say in this day and age, that happens fewer and fewer times. There will be comics where I read them and I'm just absolutely floored by them, and this is one of them. Um, you know, it, it's kind of why we continue to read comics. It's, you know... You can watch a ton of TV, and a lot of it's going to be, you know, pabble, and some of it's going to be better, and then some of it's just going to blow your socks off. And that's why you watch TV. Uh, that's why you watch movies. That's why you consume any kind of entertainment, too. You know, you get used to uh, so many conventions and of how these things work, but when you find something that kind of bucks that trend or really just tells a really good story or a really good character piece, it makes it all worth it. And that's how I felt about un- Unbelievable Gwenpool, specifically this last issue. I mean, in general, the book has just been, you know, on fire, but... Uh, this particular issue uh, really kind of sold it for me. And uh, I'm really sad that it's gone. I'm going to miss being able to read her adventures. And um, it's such an interesting, self-aware comic that really is able to have fun with itself. and uh, But also, you know, tell an emotional beat and, and quite an emotional story. And that's what this was. Uh, so we'll look forward quickly to uh, March 7th's releases. Uh, so this is what's coming up. I'm recording this on the 6th of March, so this is comics coming out tomorrow. Um, well, not comic-wise, but at least, uh, well, like not specifically the floppy, but we have the Absolute Wildcats by Jim Lee hardcover. Uh, we have the 10th issue of Bane Conquest as we get closer and closer to issue 12. Uh, and then hopefully after the series is wrapped, we'll be able to uh, sit down with uh, Chuck Dixon uh, to talk about it with um, Graham Nolan. Uh, they did. They both came on the show, uh, I guess, but me, I, God, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but I guess it was in like the late spring or so uh, in 2017 when the series was starting, so I'm hoping to have them back on to talk about it once it's all over. Uh, new issue of Batman, Batman White Knight, uh, Black Lightning Cold Dead Hands, which I'm really enjoying, uh, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, uh, Jetsons, uh, we got the Commandi by Jack Kirby Omnibus hardcover, uh, Super Sons Trade Paperback Volume 2, Planet of the Capes Rebirth, um, or I guess just Planet of the Capes is part of the Rebirth kind of branding, uh, Wildstorm Number 12, Tales of the Batman by Gene Colan, uh, hardcover Volume 2, uh, we have the Donald and Mickey Big Fat Flat Blot Plot, my goodness, that's quite the name, uh, what else we got? Uncle Scrooge, The Bodacious Butterfly Trail, a trade paperback. We got, uh, let's see, what else we got here? Gideon Falls number one, which is a big new release from uh, Lemire, I believe, and uh, Sorrentino. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got Amazing Spider-Man 797, Avengers 683. Uh, let's see what else we got. Captain America 699. 
Uh, Daredevil by Wade and Somni Omnibus, Volume 2, that's pretty exciting. Doctor Strange Damnation, number 2. Infinity Countdown, number 1, that's very exciting. Uh, there's The Moon Knight by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev Hardcover. Uh, Rogue and Gambit, number 3. Uh, Spider-Man, 238. She-Hulk, 163. Star Wars, 44. The Century, new printing, which makes sense now that we know that there's going to be a new ongoing series. Uh, Venom, 163. And X-Men Gold and X-Men Red. Uh, two different colors coming out in the same week. So that'll be uh, what we talk about on our next reviews episode, which will probably be coming out on, I'm trying to think, uh, the 12th of March. Our next episode is actually going to be coming out in a day or two. It's a conversation with Brian Cronin from the... uh, uh, Well, he's written so many things, but he's uh, been a long-time staff writer at uh, at Comic Book Resources. Uh, He's also written uh, two different books with a a third on its way next month. So we sit down and chat with him for close to an hour. That'll be coming out in a day or two as well. Uh, The... um, I guess the episode coming out on the 16th of March. Uh, I haven't quite decided what it's going to be yet. I'm going to be recording in a couple of days. Uh, it might just kind of be a, another flashback episode because um, I'm actually going away for a week, so I have to kind of have all my ducks in a row so I have episodes to come out. Um, we have some great stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks or next month or so, I guess. Um, we have the one of the producers of the and story editor of the original uh, X-Men animated series in the 90s who's uh, being uh, scheduled to do an episode. We're finally going to get Cal Dodd on, who is the voice of Wolverine for the X-Men animated series. We're going to have Steve Englehart come back. Uh, Jim Kruger, we're lining him up as well. We talked about him on the uh, Tim Tui episode, uh, which came out last week. So a lot of good stuff. So uh, you'll want to stay tuned for those in the next few months. Uh, a lot of good content coming your way. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.